Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One. Okay, that's good. Greg? Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, you're so, such a, such a contrarian, eh? <laughs> you fuck, you listen to me when I do the count. <laughs> It's a countdown, Greg. Carter comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! A little baby black! Gabbage out of here! <laughs> Welcome to Toronto Sport Matters. Guys, podcast number 70, where I'm joined. By the quad pod, not the tripod, limping to the fucking finish line. The I diatride or what the fuck it's called, the Alaskan uh, dog race. Tricycle. There we go. That's exactly what we're looking for. Tricycle. Let's use tricycle. Uh, right in front of me, we got Christian Wolfgang Graffin, joined by Javon Bigart. And as always, Gregory Yerushadis. Boys, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing great, you guys. Happy to be back. Contribute a little knowledge for you guys. Let's see... Um Ask me again after game two there, Bran. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so a little bit of, uh, I guess we got a couple things to get to. Not much happening in the world of basketball, to be completely honest with you folks. Um, I, I just, you know, beyond the exception of Kawhi Leonard arguably draining the greatest shot in the history of not only Toronto Raptors basketball, but Ever. NBA history. Um, also, we just, the NBA draft just went down. Graft and I will give our two cents very shortly. Um, and also, we're going to discuss our next matchup against the Milwaukee Bucks last night, dropping the first game in Milwaukee. Uh, we'll start it off though with the Toronto Raptors against the Philadelphia 76ers seven games took them out in the Eastern Conference semifinals Christian what was just your general impression of the series what would you give the team a grade A to F uh, I think it was a grinded out series and I thought it was going to go deep seven games I think I called that from the beginning so in the end of the day I think I'll give the Raptors uh, an, a solid A minus in that series there were some games I mean they had a really good start and then they dropped games two and three um, game three looked really bad I'm seeing a little bit of shit stirring from Javon's face based on your uh, your grade right there. Just well, out there. for me, the comeback from Game Three was pretty huge. Like it was a devastating loss. Joel Embiid was windmilling in our face to come back from that, and then also to win Game Five. Like it was for us. Like again, like it seemed like we were always in charge of the mm-hmm. series, um, even though it came down to the absolute last shot, and it was very very dramatic. Again, I, I think that that's exactly the only way we would have beaten a team like that. And Nurse made the adjustments throughout. Like mm-hmm. the last lineup you saw on the floor was our big lineup with Siakam at small forward and Abaka at power forward. Mm-hmm. That was so different from our first game, our starting lineup. That was and, kind of the kind of fear going in the playoffs was you know Nick Nurse being a rookie coach, not really prepared to go against you know, a, a, a true vet in Brent Brown. But clearly, Nick Nurse won the coaching battle. I, think I mean, it came to down say. to one shot. But yeah, no, I agree with you because he shortened the bench. Mm-hmm. Only Fred Van Vliet, uh, Norman Powell didn't even play in Game 7. 
so mm. like he shortened the bench. He did everything I think he could have. So that's why I give him an A minus. The only way you can get better is obviously by beating them in less games. Javon, you got a little bit of a contrarian perspective on this. What would you give this series grade wise? Um, overall, it reminded me of like one of those assignments that you just finished last minute, handed it in, and you got a passing grade. And then you luckily did a half decent and the teacher gave you a C. So that performance to me, like what, from what I expected and you know what I think the Raptors can do, I think that they didn't come nowhere close to uh, doing that. I thought they could have beat the Sixers in like five games, six games tops. What specific games or what specific moments of the series kind of stuck out to you when it comes to the Raptors not really being able to officially close out the series? I think it was just, uh, I think Nick Nurse had commented on it. And it was uh, the holistic approach to the offense. Like, they're very one-dimensional. Like, mm-hmm. they kept all five of their guys on the perimeter. They had no paint presence. It wasn't a balanced attack. And I think that that contributed to the lack of offense that they had in the last game. Like, I think they only scored 90 points. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was a matter of Philadelphia playing great defense. And I don't think Philadelphia scored 90 points because the Raptors played great defense. I think they had a lot of careless mm-hmm. turnovers. And I think the Raptors just had, like, they didn't have an overall uh, balanced effort at attacking right. the basket on the offensive oh. end. They could, have, they could have played a lot better, and I think they showed that in the first game of the Milwaukee series for the first three quarters, at least, and that's why they had all those points. Greg, what are your thoughts on that? Kind of uh, in between, got aside? Yeah. Um, I had Raps in six. I agree with Jovan. Uh, although that team uh, was stacked talent-wise, I thought I think we fit together better as a, as a system. And uh, I would give it a B++, okay? If they had closed out in game six... Like they should have, mm-hmm. I would I would give them an A, uh, but but I'm certainly around around that range. What stood out to me was kind of the the, the Jekyll and Hyde nature of it, right? Where where you'd come out and, and you'd get a great performance, and then the next game we'd get blown out. Um, game six specifically, you know, you can't help but wonder if we didn't have to go to game seven, would we have? And we're gonna, I'm sure, get to this later. Would we have a little more juice at the end of the ga- previous game that we just saw, right? Because mm-hmm. that was taxing. But look, honestly, that team, that Philly team, was a juggernaut. Like you're talking about four potential all-stars. That, that's the point I was making, right? You're not talking about the team that came this season with Ben Simmons, JJ no. Redick, and Joel Embiid. You're talking about a team that has, you know, basically went all in this season, traded all future picks, getting a guy like Tobias Harris. And yeah. Jimmy Butler to come to Philadelphia. And that won't last this, either. That yeah, was a one-time thing. This is like I wouldn't call them a super team, but this is pretty fucking close to like yeah. what you would envision on paper as a super team. So us being able to take it out based on you know just how well coached we are and just how fluid we are as an organization is only a positive sign. Ultimately, just want the progression of the team, especially yeah, I, post DeRozan. Yeah, I I thought it it was a huge. I mean, and we're gonna get to this the shot right, but I thought it was actually. Um, a huge moment for the franchise. Well, let's go to that. Let's go to the shot. Greg, you're watching that game, winding down, last couple seconds of the game, and you saw Kawhi just hit that, like, what? Bounce. Graffin was a three, four. Bounce. Bounce. Four bounces. Four bounces. Bounce. Four bounces. Right. I don't want to, like, um, it's like this cheesy dick bag, but, like, what were your feelings and emotions when the ball like, fucking went to well, the basket? I, but no, absolute, like, like, I think like, the whole city was in suspense. Like, they just stopped. Right. And they waited while that ball decided to do what it had to and do. And the first bounce made it look like it wasn't going in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, oh. It was time. so high in the air, the first bounce, off to, like, the front of the rim almost. Yeah. I don't want to be a fucking dick, but, like, you got, like, the, the, was it, like, the Jurassic Park, and, like, everyone's freaking out. But then, like, in the background, like, I'm, I'm just assuming there's probably some security guard just, like, beating some fucking kid because he snuck him fucking Coors Light into the area. Just like, it's not the sponsored beer, motherfucker. Just beating this poor child. Coors only. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, 
I, I, I just fuck like I, I. It was one of the most boring games I have ever seen in my entire life, and like it just like I was like fucking shocked. Like it's just getting like electric fucking like uh, what's it called again? Those two things to your chest when you're in cardiac arrest. We all, I know we're all fumbling on this right now. I'm not that type of doctor, it's damn it. The AEDs, yeah, I don't know what they are. Resuscitators, we'll call them that. Sure. That that works. that that moment uh to me was the greatest moment in Raptors franchise history. It was iconic in the sense that it it was Kawhi Leonard um you know, his full journey, right? Like the hero's journey, right? To not playing last year to getting all this shit talked about him about load management and everybody forgetting about him to shooting the fact that he shot it over Joel Embiid yeah that was huge right uh so from from you know it's iconic in that sense for him and his own brand or whatever but it's it's also a historic moment for the franchise and you know legendary in the sense that like it came full circle for us, right? 18 years later. And you talked about, you know, what I felt in that moment. Yeah, pure excitement and almost like ecstasy in the moment. But also, you know, I said to my girlfriend when we saw it, like, this is, this is like, oh, like karmic. It's all coming back now from watching that Vince Carter shot. I remember being a kid watching that shot, watching it rim out like that, right? Bounce, it bounced on the far. Instead of the the near side of the rim, it bounced off the back end of the rim, right? Yep, yep. Uh, just one of the most, uh, the most unbelievable basketball shot I've ever seen. And Certainly a, the biggest in, in Raptors franchise history. And then away from the shot, I don't know if you guys saw this as well, but there's video of his uncle, Uncle Dennis, hugging Masai, a whole bunch of MLSC executives Ooh. hugging Masai, all handshaking. Apparently, I haven't seen that. Apparently, Masai was overjoyed from yeah. that series alone. Uncle Dennis was hugging Masai. Uncle Dennis himself in a New Balance tracksuit, nonetheless. And and and, and that's the other piece. You know, we, we have to look at this in the grander scheme of things. Like you know, in those four seconds, right? Uh, maybe in those four seconds, it became solidified in Kawhi's mind. That he will stay mm-hmm. because you can't like when you make memories like that, right? That's not something that you forget. That moment he'll never forget, and and he shared that with the fans and he shared that with his teammates, right? And you know maybe he wants to build on 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 that, right? And you say you know Uncle Dennis was hugging Masai. I like that. Well, it's not just the shot that will make him stay potentially because I think that is going to factor in but, into his but decision. It's just that, that led to the winning of the series for sure. But like, okay, so if the load we lost management, that series, I don't know if he would have won. I to agree stay. with you. And again, load management all year long was the focus on Kawhi. But don't forget, we let him have the last shot in a bunch of games this whole regular season, so we could practice that exact moment. Exactly. There's a few and he videos. missed a few of them. Exactly. He missed a lot. To yeah, be yeah. The one we, we we went to a game. We went to a game where, where he, he bounced off. the ball off his foot. Exactly. Going so right side. It happens in the regular season, like he says, it's a practice. So it's not like that whole moment. Like he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows where he's going on the floor. It wasn't a three; it was just a deep two, which is like a perfect Kawhi type shot. Yeah. And he got away from Ben Simmons and went right at Joel Embiid. And again, like you said, the most iconic shot for me by far. I think one of the bigger takeaways I got from the series was just you look at the Philadelphia 76ers roster, and they have perfectly fine complementary players. Great starting five, borderline five all stars at that starting five rotation. But how does it all fit together? Exactly. So the point I'm, point I'm making about this is like fucking Kawhi just being this juggernaut, full yeah. facet, five tool player. Uh, we're gonna throw a baseball reference out there. Um, and then you look at the, the the limitations of a team like the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid obviously was fatigued. He was a little bit sick, and he shouldn't be 
and playing the mints he was playing. Brett Brown's that tactician clearly wasn't up to par when it comes to just going deep into the playoffs, regardless of what we say about the guy. Ben Simmons can't shoot outside 10 feet. JJ Redick does have his own limitations. Tobias Harris was basically just another, like, fucking cadaver on the court looking for the open three. And Jimmy Butler, again, is not, basically had to carry the load in crunch time for that team. So, again, coming into the offseason, there's going to be a lot of changes. A lot can be complete upheaval. Graffin, what are your thoughts on this team moving forward, um, especially come playoff time? And, Greg, I know you got something to say as well. No, I was going to you, you, you're anxious. I, all I was going to say is I think we should try to steal J.J. Redick because they're not going to really? have the money to re-sign him. I mean, he, he's... I, I agree with you in the sense like, of a shooter, but don't forget, we have Danny Green. He was the second best shooter in the regular season. Uh, it's kind of the curse of Toronto in the sense that, don't forget, they're they're guarding right now bench, Danny Green so well, and they're letting Pascal Siakam shoot. Like That's that's other teams' game plans right now, is they're mm. forcing Pascal to shoot because they'll take that shot over I, Danny Green. I just think there game. are so few like like pure shooters, right? There's so few of them, and, and they won't have the money to re-sign Redick, and I, if I'm him and another contending team in the in the East is is knocking, you know, and this team's not willing to give me the money, I might want to come and jump ship to a team like Toronto. Or a three point specialist yeah, for the Warriors. On, JJ Redick is just a hired gun for the rest of his career. Whoever's going to pay We need one of those, dollars, man. Mercenary JJ Redick. Okay, but so just to in your point, game? Brandon, or your question well, about whole, them going forward. So I was going to say the the roster going forward. If they do re-sign Kawhi for a max deal, there's not much wiggle room for what the Raptors can do. Honestly, we're at like 109 million already. Hold basically, on. was the question? That? Sorry, I didn't interrupt. Was the question Philadelphia or oh, Toronto? Okay, sorry, Brandon. Okay. You want to know what Philly is going to do moving forward? Well, no, it's a good point because the exclusion of JJ Reddick completely hinders their ability to be competitive. Like you, if you take JJ Reddick from a starting five, you're already talking about a guy named Ben Simmons who can't shoot from outside. Joel Embiid is a very inconsistent outside shooter as well. It's just going to be a complete sort of tic tac toe effect when it comes to just the performance and the efficiency of the other guys in the starting and five. And I, I don't think that they're going to stick together. Right now, the consensus is Jimmy Butler's looking at. He wants the, max. Max, and he wants what? The, there's he has a list. There's like the Nets, the Clippers, the yeah. Lakers. I could see him ending up on the Lakers with LeBron. I, mm. I, right now, unless Philly does something else, because JJ Redick, Tobias Harris, and Jimmy Butler, one of the three are going to be gone. And as long as that happens, they're going to be worse next year. Who so, would you sign, uh, Butler or Butler? If I were Philly, I'd make him my number one priority. He's the only one who shows up in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But I think Butler only really played this well, also because. It was the contract year for him. He wants that bag. And, and, you know, when when there's no strings on the line, when there's nothing to prove, like, I think his old demons will will come forward and, like, that whole anti-team Jimmy first attitude might... Well, to be the devil's advocate here, he was a ghost. He was a ghost to Bias Harris, at least in my opinion, in the latter half of the series, And it's his year contract year as well. Exactly. Uh, Moving into... Our second topic for Raptors discussion. Obviously, the Toronto Raptors jump into the second round against uh, into the Eastern Conference Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks. Last night's game would start off great. Terrible fourth quarter. We eventually lost the game 108 to 100. Uh, completely collapsed in the fourth. Uh, with the exception of Kyle Lowry, the team shot went 0 for 15. Nobody else contributed a single point. Uh, again, Kyle Lowry had a fantastic performance. I guess I'll throw it to you, Javon, to start it off. You're watching the game last night. The biggest thing that kind of comes to my mind comes a question. How do we contain Brooke Lopez? Because he looked like an absolute like like throwback 2010 borderline all the NBA player last night. And so we were having issues sort of adjusting to what he was bringing to the table. Brooke Lopez is fearless. He knows what he has and he knows how to maximize the tools that he's given. He knows he can shoot the ball and he knows he's seven foot. And he just if you give him an inch of room, he's shooting it like right now. He thinks he's Steph Curry and he's playing like it. Especially from the three-point line. Well, eight attempts per game in the regular season as well. Like, he kind of completely changed his... Uh, so, how do you guard that? 
Exactly. This is how you guard it. You close out hard and you make them put it on the floor or you get like a, a hand up and make them take a, an awkward shot. Like in the first half, he had missed his first four shots, his first four threes, mm-hmm. and they were off by a lot. Right. And I think it was because guys were closing out hard, getting a hand up on him. And then in the second half when he started hitting, guys weren't closing out hard enough. So I don't know if it was but, fatigue, if yeah. it was mental fatigue, or if you know they need to be reminded of what they needed to do to play defense on him. But why but, is he open? The reason why he's open so much is because we're trying to clog the lane, obviously, on Giannis. Not it's, necessarily. It's kind of like a – well, it's just seemed like because they were collapsing. Yeah. Right? And Three guys. Gasol uh, – Gasol's positioning was really good a lot of the time. But the problem is, like, you know, how does he – he doesn't have the speed. Like you said one time, you know, Gasol can make the first adjustment. But he can't. But he can't make the second. Exactly. Like, like the first recovery or the first rotation, but it's the second. Yeah. As you like, mentioned, something that echoed on Greg's consciousness prior so to my this whole podcast. Thing you got to coach, man. <laughs> you got to I listen. You got to make that first effort worth a lot. Right. And then you have to rely on your teammates to, to help you out at, after that. Right? So whether it's contesting hard, making them put a drip, uh, putting the ball on the floor, taking a dribble, and then getting creative off of that. Because even though he can do that, mm-hmm. that's not his strong suit. His strong thing is getting offensive rebounds and tips back in and shooting but, the three. But that's really, sorry, that's really what killed us last night. It wasn't necessarily Brooke Lopez hitting the threes. If that's going to beat us... Like I don't, I I can't see that beating us in a series. He's not going to be that good. It was the offensive rebounds. They killed us on the boards. Absolutely killed us. Yeah. And like I don't know what the solution is for that because we've been getting all year. We've been getting beat on the boards, especially since the Valanciunas trade. I yeah. think the the solution is the big lineup, the yeah. one that we saw against Philly, where the Siakam's pro- playing the, small forward. The problem forward. with that though is is who does Serge Ibaka guard? Brooke Lopez. So that's my point. Is who I does think Gasol guard. Gasol guards Giannis. Who does uh, uh, Siakam? Uh, wait, hold. Gasol guards Giannis. Yeah, that he, might work. He looked I pretty mean, good uh, in the first quarter last night. Uh, in no, no, again, you no. Lead, you force him to shoot, right? So Gasol is good. Have to come outside the paint very Gas- much. Gasol is good in a secondary defensive role against Giannis. So when Giannis beats his first defender and he's already in his Euro stride, then Gasol can read that and yeah. play his defense accordingly. But for Gasol to play defense initially on Giannis, it's an instant blow by. That's what I mean. Instant That's what. No, but I'm saying. We're, we're, we don't have to, we're not guarding a shot right like no, the, the, the play right now in for that Giannis sense it might work is leaving Gasol almost low in the paint and if he when we start to see him drive then we have others who are more athletic like you know Siakam come Sorry. over and help with that no I agree but my thing is you can't be that you know obliterant with that though I think uh, Giannis will hit the shot if you give him enough room. So yeah. I still think you got to show. It's not I'd like rather, Simmons. It's not like Simmons who yeah. can't shoot. Giannis isn't as willing of a shooter. His shot isn't as I'd good. I'd still rather Giannis shooting than Brook Lopez. But he's threes. he's been hitting threes yeah, no. though, like in the previous not series. As good. Yeah, but you know what's funny? Gasol is so is so big in like the the waist area that Giannis can't euro step around him. No, he can't. <laughs> or he's having a lot of problems. The circumference of of Gasol. I just think Ibaka would be effective on someone like Lopez if you just said just stick to him. Gasol like, didn't get no play last. He didn't night. have Sorry, to, um, Ibaka Ibaka didn't. didn't get no play. So Dan. my thing with Ibaka is he's a great on the rim defender, but when it comes to like xing out and I'm gonna get your man and you get my man, like that nuance, that communicating, dead. like he's brain dead. He, he he doesn't know what's going on. But he's he had not such able a good game seven. Oh yeah. Why would you, you give you him the opportunity him props, eh? in game one? Yeah, I just don't understand. Like he's rolling off one of his best games of the year. Yeah. He's got all the momentum, and then Nurse sits him for a good chunk of the game, especially in key moments. Like I, I would like put him out there in the lineup, fourth. Man. Yeah. Danny really Green was not effective last night, and I don't want to keep blaming Danny Green, but no, he was bad. Man. Back he had to a the couple same turnovers turn over in the over. fourth that fucking killed us. But what is, what is Danny Green known for? 
He's a shooter and he's a defender. Well, he his honestly he's his not shot shooting. his shot. <laughs> so, no, 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 no. Hold on. Uh, Danny Green to me is a shooter, but he's a streaky one. He's okay. not to me at that level of the Kyle Korver, the JJ Redick, right? Like he is a good shooter. I think he's on but that he's level. He's quite streaky. Like he is, like even when he's on San Antonio. But he's also a substantially better defender than both those guys you mentioned. So his value is a little bit adjusted on that. There's one guy that we kind of been overlooking this entire discussion, and that was the reemergence of Kyle Lowry last night. That's why that loss was so disheartening. Kyle really showed up last night, putting 38 and two in 40 minutes. Um, Obviously, it sucked. We didn't couldn't get the game uh, closed out with Kyle playing. Kawhi honestly looked invisible out there. That was the most invisible 31 point performance I've seen from a player. Ever, like probably in my entire life, uh, Kyle was fantastic last night. Is this like you know? Obviously, we have Kyle with the playoff yips, can't get his fucking shit together in the playoffs. Always kind of fucking up, floundering when the pressure is on him. He looked fantastic and arguably the most important game of He's his fucking career. Stronger. What are your thoughts? Do you do you agree with that statement, Graffin? Do you agree with that statement that Kyle is getting stronger and we're gonna depend on him on a nightly basis when it comes to offensive performance and just stability of keeping? Yeah, of course together? I do. I think it's it's evident just because the fact that we have a new roster since February mm-hmm. and Kyle, they're all figuring it out. And I think the most important thing is when you have someone like Kyle and an established center like Valanchunas leave when your whole game revolves around the pick and roll, like mm-hmm. you got to learn that all over again. Yeah. And we're seeing this a little bit of the struggles of Gasol with the shooting pretty much and a little bit of the struggles earlier on with if, Kyle. But with but Gasol, at least not... Kyle's getting it down. Like, And with Kyle, I think he realized that Kawhi needed help and he was the guy. Like, if there was anybody on the Raptors who was going to step up and take that sidekick role and and put in work and do what has to get done to win the series, it was Kyle Lowry. And from start of the game to finish, the tempo was high, high pace. Uh, The confidence on the shooting was was amazing like it was second to none if the shot was there to get t- to to be taken he would take it like there is no hesitation dude, so. dude to to me like it's it's just vindication for Lowry and I think that after the Philly series because there's a lot of pressure on him in the Philly series he had a 6'10 point guard on him he's from Philadelphia yeah right six foot ten center okay, by the way yeah everybody like everybody and I was so pissed like the American media just shits all over him I had some guys come recently to my house a friend of a friend they're from they're from the Bay Area and you know talk them, oh yeah, you know, the Raptors are good, but Kyle Lowry, you know, he sucks. I'm like, you ever watch him play? I'm like, watch that dude play. Did you a, did you bring up Steph Curry? For a full forget we're gonna get to that, okay? <laughs> but right, but I'm like, just watch him play for a couple of games, okay? So, and recently there was an article by Kevin Arnovitz that talked about like the indescribable like uh, uh, uh impact of Kyle Lowry. You know what it is? Dude has basketball intuition. He knows where the ball is going to be before anyone else. I like that idiot Steph Curry. Listen, we talk about winning possessions. <laughs> Soft Kyle man. Lowry probably won so many possessions that have not got spoken about at all. That's why from point. from throwing his body out of bounds and he looks like that, that ball shit. back in. Yep. He looks That's like a, a homeless man game. being thrown out of a from car on the highway. It's that incredible. He took I have so against much respect seven for that. Driving to the basket and him throwing his body on the line just to get that ball back. To win those possessions, like that's what we talk about winning basketball. It's not about hitting threes and mm. playing great defense. It's about winning possessions. Exactly. It's that North. It's that North Philly ass, man. Come on, let's go. Efficiency. And, and, and can we say to this day, I have never seen somebody successfully post up Kyle Lowry. Even Embiid Agreed. tried at the end of that last game, and Kyle poked the ball away from him. And Kyle Giannis Lowry tried too. Six foot point guard. I like to see more Jeremy Lin personally. Like Ugh. I would like, Kidding. like so to me, like I, it's just so great because I, I, I really would love the American media to just shut the fuck up because none of them watch him enough to know what his true value is. And you, dude, you, okay, okay, wait, 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 w
Name names. Name publications. Name television uh, stations. Colin Cowherd. There we go. You're like the, the, a, the, the American a media no. complex is fucking, like, you got to be specific. Let's call these fuckers up because you're just, there's a lot of great writers, a lot of great media members. Let's call these fuckers out. Colin Coward, who wants? Steve Bayless. Oh, man. He he just, he went off. Dude, he he talks like like uh, uh, a teenage boy who got dumped by his girlfriend when he talks about Kawhi, Kawhi? Leonard. Yeah. You, know, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's fucking pathetic. You're a grown ass man. Like, what's wrong with you? Ugh. Grudges never die with that guy. He ta- talks like a like a narcoleptic, like fucking like, like 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 I don't know, racist. Like <laughs> I don't know what's like what's wrong with the guy. He's a, that guy. Like why is he on TV? I know we're kind of diverging on topics. No, but what what is the like 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 appeal to Skip Bayless? Is it like his sultry good looks? No, he's a geriatric fuck. He's old as hell. Is it his like his hot? Takes and yeah, interesting. Like, no, they're not hot takes. These are just regurgitated, repackaged, yeah. contrarian statements. It was the the attachment. It's just it's getting like because he looks like a like a like the face of Brandon, like you could plug him out and put in someone else, and the it would be same thing. He's just a talking head. No, you just put him against a pragmatic or uh, the value of that a very like like uh, um, emotional black guy, and then you get the like the creepy fucking borderline exactly, and then and that's the. Uh, I just don't get that. You know who like, else hates on Lowry is um, Shaquille O'Neal. You always go, oh, the weak link, blah, blah. And even but do you think he actually watches night, basketball? No, but even those guys last night, like they're only talking about the game from Milwaukee's perspective. So biased. All right, let's, they, all, they only pinpoint Kyle Lowry's bad games. They'll never talk about the good that, games yeah, that he and, has. And, and They'll only talk beef. about the bad games. Yeah, and, and, and that's very my selective. Graffin, who do you hate? Who do I hate? Well, yeah. no, I just think the one thing that they're I agree with you guys because they're saying last night is, oh, they wasted Kyle's good game. He's not going to do that again. That's the biggest takeaway from last Who night. Who do you they, hate? I want to hear this right now. Who's your number one guy? I said out there? Skip Bayless. Skip's and your number you know one. What it is too. It's not. I mean, obviously, everything you said is contrarian. Is it? It's actually whenever Shannon's talking, he keeps going. Mm. <laughs> In between, he's done this forever. But as the other person says his point, he just goes. Mm. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. You'll see how annoying it is throughout the but show. Watch. I don't find that annoying for some reason. Actually, that's mm-hmm. like my favorite sports morning show, Undisputed. Mm. What's the uh, name of 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 that twerp that we had to set straight that works for Fox? Oh, Chris Broussard. That guy. I hate that guy. Did we? Okay, we got to pull this up right now because Greg and I were walking back. Uh, if guys don't know who Chris Broussard is, don't look him up because you're just going to give him more fucking recognition already. But Chris Broussard's like just the biggest like shitbag, shitster, just like like dumb fuck. Like I shouldn't be like just lampooning a guy like this, but like your points are just irrelevant. Like at least have something that's honestly from your own he's belief neither, system. He's not just entertaining or intelligent. Oh my god! He's neither entertaining nor intelligent. How do you make it a television? Who does he know? He he's in. He works for Fox. He's yeah. like, like he. All you have to be is a belligerent asshole to work for Fox. In opposed same sex marriage like Chris Broussard, and you'll get the like the just the fucking like face of Al of the state of Alabama, Chris Broussard right now. Um, already, let's uh, let's let's uh, let's switch topics before I lose my entire uh, credibility as a journalist. All right, uh, jumping in the quarter two uh, Western Conference Finals, we got the Golden State Warriors and the Portland Trailblazers. Um, their trailblazers have a shot. I'm gonna keep it pretty simple. Um, you saw Terry Stotts, who's a shit in last press conference about the pick and roll question and stuff. No, Curry. but it was a stupid question. What it was, was a guy like trying to give him coaching advice for? I don't know. Right, right. It's like, oh, have, uh, you know, the Rockets had some success trapping Steph Curry. He's like, uh, did they trap him in the second half of that game when he went off for 31 points? He's like, no. yeah. Okay, so sit the fuck down. Stotts apologized the next day as well. So what a gentleman, Brandon. I, I am so furious 
and this could be like my gripe. I'm so furious. With tell me, Houston Rockets. Why? They suck. <laughs> you have the best player in the series. Okay, against the yeah, Warriors. Yeah, Steph Curry. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, he played like the best player. He played like the best player. But you get the former MVP that didn't step up. And I'm so it's it's James Harden and it's their style of play. This mathematical formula of playing basketball, it doesn't work. Isolation and random three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. Right? How could you not they get should, a game? Game six at home. They should be at the local like YMCA like carrying plan. buckets of ice up the stairs, okay? This is ridiculous. This is outrageous. There's some guy. <laughs> with uh, a bunch of books and glasses, and he's like glaring at well, me. We are at a university. Look, it's just an inorganic. <laughs> it's an inorganic way to play basketball, and I blame it on this like, uh, like overhyped era of analytics. I understand three is more than two, but a shitty three point like zero is worse than two. Like right, like it's, the thing is, you still have to have a balanced offensive approach. You can't rely on just one aspect because when that's not working, what are you turning to, bro? They're trying to win a championship off step back contested threes that's in the fourth happen. quarter. Of the playoff game, when guys are playing the best defense they could possibly play, not like the, taking possession. The though. Warriors don't play like that. The Warriors set screens. They have they have shooters coming off off ball movement, right? Yeah, there's yeah. passing. There's there there there's moving. It's so much different. They're just a better team. Can we just say that though? Roster to roster, side wise, by side. They were no, better. They regard- shouldn't have been able to beat them games. The regardless of approach, is just so much more balanced. They regardless got- of approach, regardless of approach, James you could- Harden, Chris Paul, and Gordon are better <coughs> than just the Splash Brothers. You we, could get you offensively, they're better. Okay, you you could get this fucking guy outside right here, this old guy, just walking outside our studio right now as the fucking head coach of the Golden State Warriors, and they would still beat the Houston Rockets. You want to know why? Because they have Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson. Yeah, but that was with Steve Kerr's system, though. system. Greg, they could get someone less than this homeless guy out here. They could get Jason Kidd as their head coach, and Uh, they would still win the championship. I think you underestimate how good of a coach Steve Steve Kerr is, man. I think you overestimate how good of a coach Jason Kidd is, so... Coach of the Lakers. I told you, guy. So I told you. He's not going to be. He's fucking. Yeah, wait. Javon, Javon, Javon. So, so the, Greg, like all of last year, all of last year, is like, who's this guy? Mike Budenschmuckle? <laughs> he got fired, <laughs> replacing the great Jason Kidd. <laughs> the most ignorant shit I have ever heard in my entire fucking life. Yo, um, which it looks like he's taking a shit permanently when he coaches. You ever notice? He like, looks like a car- his teeth. Like, yeah. <laughs> he looks because it's not really harsh, but he looks like when he was born, he was like thrown like a vat of ass in his face and his face just like formed based off that. <laughs> You're evil. Uh, yeah. Um, alrighty. Uh, just one last thing to the series. If you were in Steve Kerr's shoes, KD's healthy for game two. Do you just rest him for the rest of like, the series yes. and just, yeah, okay. Yeah, of course. Why not? Chill in the Bay Area. First of all, I hey. think he's actually injured. I, I said this last podcast. I think he's seriously, there's something wrong with him. Yeah. Hey, and you got to give it up. Like, I want to throw props out to how Curry's played the last couple of games, right? I haven't seen this kind of Curry since before KD, right? So you got to give him the respect for the way that he stepped up. The way they played without KD, they still should never have been able to beat the Warriors. So sorry, the Rockets in Game Six in Houston. I just want to go back to what Graffin said there quickly. So, so you think KD's actually like really injured? I think he had a very minor injury, and they're just milking it as much as they can. The, The the Warriors. It's like, oh, God, like, we got to bring Kevin Durant back, man. How are we going to deal with Al Farouk Aminu, man? Like, no, they're fine. <laughs> I agree. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yo, I, I just think they're fine this series. Like, they're, but, they're, but the Blazers look better. Okay, the Blazers had their worst game that I think they can play, and they still look better than the Rockets in game six. That's how fucked up. And, and they played in, right, at, at Oracle. 
I actually think that without KD, right, the Warriors are vulnerable. I think if we play, if we were to play Golden State without Durant, we beat them. I really do believe that. The thing is, the brand of basketball they're playing without KD. It's like it goes back to like their old again. It's but they exactly don't have the depth like be. they used to. They don't. I'm fine with just repco shooting. I'm not threes. worried about the depth though. I'm talking no, about they, the passing. They got, they got guys who but fill, that, fill those roles. They got who? guys to fill those roles. They're not. They're, Who's they're their not backup point guard? The Pro team uh, for Golden State. The backup point guard. You don't know because he's not that good. Oh no, no that's what I'm saying. No, no, the other guy, the shorter yeah, one. Yeah, Daquan Cook. Yeah, Daquan Cook. He's good. in the game. He's a good player. Turnovers, hit four shots, and he played the role that he needed to play. Like it's literally a San Antonio style offense. It doesn't matter the name that comes in. Guys just come in and fill the roles, space the floor, hit the cutters. I don't. Okay, look, because they they had to sign Durant and Boogie, right? They gave up a lot of their depth. Their bench is not as good as it used to be. That to me is just a fact. I don't think that you can win a championship with Alfonso McKinney as your sixth man. Yes, thank you. Well said. <laughs> right? Um, this guy got cut from our team and he's playing serious minutes for Golden State. I, I think they, they're, they're starting Andrew, the cadaver of Andrew Bogut. Really yeah. Good. Yeah, they're starting Andrew Bogut, man. He All right. Eight minutes. But again, it speaks to the, the to, to the system that they have in place. They have a guy who's played Australian basketball for the past 10 years. Defensive two years. player of the year. Come into in the Australia. NBA, start, give 10 solid minutes. Mm-hmm. They're missing Kevin Durant, yet they're still able to beat the team with the uh, possible two-time reigning MVP. Yeah, according to Greg, they got this like that, talentless little brat hey, shitbag, a point guard, who I, just I, is I the worst player in the world. So, I, with, if, if the Oklahoma <laughs> City Thunder were healthy and they played the Warriors without Durant, I think they would beat them. You're wrong. I think the Bucks would. I think the Bucks will beat them. I think we Maybe. will beat them. Maybe. But Graffin, you have to but admit, not the without Kevin Durant, the Golden State plays a different kind of basketball. I, I agree with yeah, that. Like it's, I, it's, I just don't think that because you honestly, you just load up on those two players. Greg, and the rest Greg. of them, they just can't score. They didn't have Kevin Durant in Game Six, and they took out. Like I know that you're That's a big because of Houston. Dude, I know you're a big fan of advanced metrics and numbers. That's your thing. I know you love like you hate the old school methodology of coaching and scouting. You're a pure statistics analytics guy, and I know you're a big Houston Rockets guy. But the facts are facts. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson took those guys out in one game in Game Six about Kevin Durant. Yeah, because James Harden is taking step back threes in the fourth quarter. Well, you love step back threes with that roster though too. <laughs> Who? The Golden State Warriors with that core. They also won a championship with a younger Iguodala, with a younger Livingston, with a with with David West. They uh, my point with the Livingston want to be now. I don't think without Durant they can win a championship. I really don't. Not okay. against us or the Bucks, but they beat the team that you were touting is going to beat the Warriors beforehand. So how they much can we? Really, how can, how can we really not trust you? That style of basketball. How can the fans trust you? Greg? Not playing how that, can they you know trust what? you? Knew, but I've always had a problem with how the Rockets play, and I expected Harden to take the ball to the basket more. Well, like, you what expected are you doing? It wrong. Yeah, um, they, <laughs> I'm they, so disappointed. And Chris Paul played ball, good. I feel bad for Chris Paul. Yeah, the isolation basketball that Houston played in the playoffs, like they took it overboard. Usually, they at least have like a pick and roll where you know yeah. Capella would come set the screen roll to the basket and they would find him like they'd be like how did he get that alley-oop off and he's just dunking the ball this series it was like iso for chris paul iso for james harden iso for eric gordon and you can't win like that and when harden would give up the ball you just stand there yeah you just stand there unengaged yeah he's big, like your turn my big takeaways from this segment was greg loves steph curry and he loves very pro analytics all right jumping into the third <laughs> quarter uh nba draft talk the lottery went down a couple days ago uh graf and i are super pumped for it i don't know about you uh, javon and greg over here but uh top 10 picks we'll just name it briefly new orleans pelicans new orleans got the number one slot graf is going to pull up the numbers right now what was their, what was their, like six percent ridiculous grizzlies same like rough percentage nick's got fucked like third 
Yeah. Uh, Lakers jumped at four. Cleveland got screwed and Phoenix got screwed at five and six. Chicago also kind of got screwed dropping to seven. Uh, Hawks have eight. Washington has nine. And the Hawks are back at 10 with Dallas's pick from last season's Trey Young and Luka Doncic trade. Christian, what is your impression of the lottery? Zion's going to New Orleans, baby. I think that means Anthony Davis is getting chipped out for sure. Well, it's a pretty bright future, you know, getting the accumulation of assets that Anthony Davis would get and, you know, also having this marquee player to build around, well, supposed marquee player in Zion Williams. Pretty bright future concerning what they were dealing with midseason this year. I think, especially for Zion, too, because not just the Pelicans, I think, obviously they win. They had a 6% chance to get the pick, and it kind of shows that tanking doesn't really isn't really worth it mm-hmm. now in this new system. But for Zion, too, like if Anthony Davis isn't there and they trade him for young assets, like let's just say with New York for the pick and a bunch of other young players, he's going to have a, a great opportunity to actually showcase and come out, as opposed to going to, let's just say, the Knicks or the Lakers, where he potentially could be behind someone like, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Kevin right. Durant. So I think for Zion, it's going to be good. It's better for the NBA because we want so, to see him get more opportunity. I want to go back to the trade packages. We just talked about that. So yeah. Celtics, we're like, but the Lakers, and also for the Knicks out there, I'm not quite sure if we're going to have enough of an enticing package to get Anthony Davis. In hypothetical situation, they trade him to the Lakers. Well, they get Kuzma, they get Ball, and they get Ingram. Okay. On the flip side, the Boston Celtics, you get Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, um, etc. Okay. What is a more enticing package of Zion in the full? Because you're talking about both packages being predominantly composed of forwards, and Zion obviously is a power forward, 3-4, regardless of why you want to view him. What is a more enticing package, in your opinion? Uh, to me, it, again, I'd, I'd kind of want picks more than anything else. Like I know young players are good, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't... Tr- I, I, I don't trust the Lakers' young core. Mm-hmm. Like Keeping the Kuzma, the Ball, and Ingram together, I wouldn't... I wouldn't necessarily want that. I'd like, I'd like if I can get Jason well, Tatum in any capacity. Right. That's who. Even if it was Jason Tatum, almost. I don't want to say straight up because they're going to be offered so many good deals. But just to get Jason Tatum somehow, I think should be their number one. Well, player. that would. Yeah, exactly. Because you look at Kuzma and you look at Ingram, and they're a little redundant with exactly. Zion at the four position and Ball. I don't Zion and Lonzo might on paper be a pretty glitzy, glamorous LA. Sort of like fucking, you know what I mean? Like nice ma- uh, pairing to have, but you know it may not be applied to the court. I'm doing a terrible job explaining well, this. Um, but Julius no, Randall's already there too, right? So yeah, yeah. A little bit of redundancy, like you said before. Exactly. So it's, it's gonna be he's gonna be competing already with. So you don't want more forwards in the mix. You want to give Zion the most opportunity to grow. Exactly. And that's why I would say Tatum is that sort of shooting guard, small forward player that can play right off him. It's an and, interesting point, right? About like the the positionality of it, like like the positioning. Um, so like they would almost be wanting to make a trade where they can get back guards, right? Well, that's like, ideal, right? You, gonna play? you want floor spacers. You want people who can drain the open small, three or small contested he's, three. He's, he's, he's a power he's forward. He's a three or four. You can list. It depends on your lineup, right? I don't think. I don't think he's gonna NBA a four is a wing, so he'd probably be a play the four position because he can guard and he can. Yeah. Do yeah. What he does. And he's gonna be the guy who can guard any position on the court. Maybe yeah. the the point guard position might be a challenge for him at certain him times. Him and Randall would be a handful. So going down there, there there's two like strong. This isn't concrete facts. It's all speculation. But from what I can gather, there are two players. 
Raiders, or two teams rather, in this draft who've already made promises to players at number two and six position. We're talking about the Memphis Grizzlies at number two have more or less stated that John Morant is their guy, going to mm. take him over R.J. Barrett. And number six, the guy who I personally had number five on my mock draft, was Darius Garland, who's basically been promised to go to Phoenix at number six from Vanderbilt, missed the majority of the season with an ACL injury. Um, just John Morant to Memphis. Do you think they're making a mistake by not taking R.J. Barrett, or do you think they can, like, could they build a contending backcourt of R.J. or Conley, or does it make more sense to draft John Morant and trade Conley for assets kind of similar to what's happening with the New Orleans Pelicans with Anthony Davis and Zion? John Morant it has more of the upside, whereas R.J. Barrett, I feel like, you know, you know R.J. Barrett is going to be a solid pro mm-hmm. in his worst form, like just because of he's comes from a good basketball family, like he's a he's a very respectable kid. John Morant though could explode like Westbrook exploded on the NBA. Wait, you're talking like Stephism and his attitude. I would say Steph Curry versus Jimmy Butler yeah, drop yeah, off exactly, of comparative exactly. value. And, exactly. and I think the mentality of it too, like they have that grit and grind. That's Memphis basketball, right? Mm. They've had that yeah. when they were in the playoffs. That was their slogan. Yeah, I think John Morant captures that perfectly mm. he's going to be the player that goes out there and you're right it kind of gets them almost a little bit out of the Connolly deal without making it seem like they're for, they're they're just forcing their way out of the contract mm-hmm. they, they actually have a backup plan now so teams might be interested in someone like Connolly. the bigger question is what teams out there are actually going to put together a you know uh, 80 cents on the dollar type of package for a guy like Conley you know in his getting to his mid 30s massive contract two years left in a league where every team more or less is a point guard it might be a little bit of a challenge for them to flip Conley for any resemblance of asset Um, quickly before we jump into our last segment three and four New York Knicks LA Lakers I was watching the lottery and I was so fucking pissed because I thought the Lakers were going to get the number one overall pick and I was just convinced it was fixed Um, Graph just really quickly what do you think the Knicks are going to do at three, RJ a lock, and what do you think about the Lakers at four? Because many people, many pundits are saying it's a top three heavy draft and everything falls off afterwards. Do you see the Lakers keeping that pick or trading it? I think they trade the pick. I think they're going to try to package something together and try to trade assets. I don't think they're going to keep. Yeah, I don't think they're going to keep this team together. I mean, keep in mind, Rob Palinka right now is running the show, so who knows what the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah, because complete moron. But um, apparently, Kurt Rambis. Oh, yeah. He's got a lot the, of sway. The Rambi. But more so in who's going to be the coach. Like, that's right the now. worst. Um, why is Kurt Rambis even there's, affiliated there's, with that? Do you know why? Because he's Phil Jackson's friend. And Phil Jackson was dating Jeannie Buss. All politics. So their bag. wives became close. And now, so really, Phil Jackson is the puppet master behind all of this. Yeah, Just smoking that terrible Buddha in like no some tropical the island. They have three years to try and reload and, and win a championship every single year. They got to be working with LeBron, man. They got to accept the fact that that they're not going to win unless them and LeBron are on the same page. Yeah. LeBron and if New York the- doesn't trade or take RJ in that third pick, they're so stupid. That's the, the most Knicks move of all I'll time. tell you this much. Who, who do you guys think is going to have the best career out of those top three players when it's all said and done? I still think it's going to be Zion. Yeah. Man, that that's a tough one. I'm oh man, think? I gotta go Jamarant. I'm going Jamarant. I'm going Rant. We're all we all got different, go, we all um, different, different yeah. picks, yeah. RJ to me is like the most but sure bet to have a a, 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 a moderately career. decent career. Think, in yeah, my like, opinion, in my he opinion, bottoms out, it'll still be good. He's a definition of a like a, a low ceiling like high floor guy. Low ceiling, high floor? Oh, low floor, that's, high ceiling. No. Um, no, I said it right. You did. <laughs> you did. Low ceiling. High. So I think with RJ Barrett, if you look back to his, you know, his short career already, like Canadian basketball had never medaled at any international competition ever. Yeah. And so RJ Barrett 
played for the U19 team when he was 17 years mm-hmm. old, two years younger than, uh, you know, the age level that you're allowed to compete. And not only did he get Canada f- to win the gold medal that year, but he also won tournament MVP, and he was the youngest guy in that tournament. Yeah. And I think just having that spotlight, ha- being able to take over games like that with the appropriate coaching and the appropriate staff put in behind you, because obviously at Duke, it's like a one-year, let's mm-hmm. figure it out kind of thing. But when you get like multiple years to try and figure it out and assemble a cast of players who can complement him, I think that you know that that's a scary situation to look forward to. Okay, I think the floor for, mo- for these three is going to be like Julius Randle for Zion, mm. Drew Holiday for Ja Morant, and Andrew Wiggins for no, someone. No, no, he's like, way better than Andrew for, Wiggins. For RJ Barrett. Man, he can't shoot. He can figure that out. Andrew Wiggins that, just didn't want to play basketball. Easier than yeah, we were sounds. saying the same thing about Andrew Wiggins coming to college. Listen, right. I loved RJ when he was coming to college, coming to Duke. He was my consensus number one, and it took me a while, like Graffin knows this, to get like not support the Zion Williamson train. Just the way he's played this year, his inability to create space, his clunky jumpers, how he forces shots on double cu- double team coverage. Yeah, but just he plays he- so much better when Zion wasn't in the lineup too. But that, I think, that's fair. That's fair. But I think Andrew, I think I think RJ Barrow is also like he wasn't afraid to make mistakes. Like remember how we're talking about how Kawhi Leonard would make those mistakes in in the regular season, and we're just like oh, and like he was so cool, calm, and collected about it. I think with RJ Barrett, he's not afraid to make mistakes, and, and he's, he's gonna smart he's kid. gonna he's gonna learn. He's gonna be willing to make those mistakes and realize that hey, these clunky jumpers aren't what I need to be doing, and he'll fix it. He'll he he'll learn from his mistakes and be willing to go in the gym, fix it, and get better. And again, we are nitpicking. These are the top three picks of the draft. You know what I mean? Like they're all gonna be stars. Um, so let's roll down to the fourth quarter. This was probably something I've been most excited about the entire podcast. I know Greg is on the same page as me with this one. The Diamond Pizza ready. sponsored, not sponsored. Uh, fourth. This is not Greg's gripe. We're going to have a debate section, and at some point throughout the debate, I'm going to come up with hopefully a clever name with it because nothing is coming in to mind, come to mind right now. Um, it has to be involving Graffin and Javon's name. I'll, I'll let you guys know later. Anyways, the debate, the conversation is something that we've been kind of echoing, stealing from Greg's phrasing um, on the little Facebook messenger. It's the Jonas Valanciunas and DeLon Wright for Mark Gasol trade debate. On one side, Javon's side, we have him being an old school supporter of the Lithuanian assassin himself and also the complimentary backcourt presence of DeLon Wright. And on the other side, we have the veteran playmaking stability of a guy like Marcus Saul for Christian Graffin. Um, I'm going to uh, positioning. I'm going to. I'm going to. Does it have a coin on them? Who, who, who carries solid tender anymore? He's fucking. No one carries um, tender. How about a good old game of rock paper? Scissors? Let's do rock paper scissors. He goes first. All right. Ready. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, oh Christian Graffin goes scissors go. over Javon's paper. What, probably the most, that's so embarrassing. You go no paper right rock. off the bat. I, All about the paper. Nothing beats rock. Jesus. Uh, okay, so Christian. Well, I, I want to hear Javon's side of this first. Ooh, Javon, the floor is well, yours. I, I'm just so curious as to how you can think this. So let's go. I'm trying to find my right here. So I think the running story about the Raptors the past two years was, oh, they got the greatest depth. They got they got the best bench possible. And who was on that bench for the most part? DeLon Wright, Jonas Valanciunas this year, Siakam, blah, 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 blah. You can't speak about the Raptors bench now. The Raptors bench is nothing. And I think a main reason for that is this trade, which depleted our bench. So I think when we look at it from that aspect and what the bench did for us, I think this trade made the team above and beyond a worse team than what they would have been if 
they hadn't made the trade. I think that this trade made them worse. Okay, so just on that point, you would agree with me, though, that Fred Van Vliet specifically, mm-hmm. Norman Powell, and, you know, even like you can say Danny Green, because he's ended, ended up on the bench for a lot of games, have all completely underperformed compared to the regular season. I think they have underperformed, but I don't think that's an individual issue. I think that's more of a, a systematic issue about the way the Raptors have been playing in the playoffs. Well, which right speaks now, volumes to the, the, bench the, the loss. Poor. The bench ha- hasn't been as good. Let the man speak. <laughs> but it's no been poor on. all season. Your mic's off. The bench has been relatively poor all season. I think the bench has been poor once JV got injured. Because JV was the anchor of that unit coming in when, you know, at the beginning of the year when Nick Nurse was starting either Abaka or JV. Okay, so you mentioned, like, obviously we're talking about JV here. So yeah. you mentioned his style. So yeah. right now, I think that's one of the main reasons why I think you're wrong in this, is that JV's style, for the most part, has always been sort of give him the ball and let him do his own thing. That's kind of what we're doing with Kawhi right now, is it not? Not really, because with JV, the one thing that he always did was he would always start off any uh, possession, offensive possession, with a pick and roll. So he'd pass the ball to Kyle Lowry or whoever was the wing at the time, and then he'd go and set a screen. And then the thing that he does consistently, which Gasol never did until last night, which I was applauding him for, was he would set the screen, and when the guy used the screen or rejected the screen, he would dive to the basket. And if the player who had the ball took the shot, he would take the shot, cool. JV was crashing to the basket to go and grab the offensive rebound. But if he didn't take the shot, he would always find JV, and JV would catch the ball, and he would be in a triple threat position. He would see a case that the first thing he would do is he would look at the basket. Can I score? If I can score, I'm going to sh- go for a pump fake. If he bites, I'm going to take one dribble, spin, finish at the basket. If he doesn't bite on the pump fake, I'm going to take a jump shot. Or if they double team me, I'm going to kick it out and find a shooter. So he, he had multiple things that he would do to react to whatever the defense gave him. Okay, so I'll now, ask you another question, though, quickly. But I just want to finish. Yeah, I just okay. want to compare that to uh, Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol, when he sets a pick and roll, the guy would use it, and the whole playoffs, and as far as Marcus Gasol has been on the Raptors, he would pop. And then that would create no advantage for the Raptors because the defense could just sit back because uh, they weren't engaged. The defense wasn't engaged. Nobody had dove to the paint, forcing them to react to that. So the player who just got the screen was in the exact same position they were before they got the screen. No advantage given. 10 seconds off the shot clock, they would pass it back to Gasol. What would Gasol do when he gets the pass back? He wouldn't even look to shoot. He wouldn't look to drive. He wouldn't look to do anything. The first thing he would do is he would pass the ball back and go and set another screen and roll. Now there's five seconds left in the shot clock. Now we're left in a stagnant offense and we're putting up a bad shot and nobody's crashing the glass. And I think that was what happened with the Raptors is just that we had a great player like Kawhi who could make up the difference. I'm going to I'm gonna break in one quickly. I got uh, Big Wolf uh, or Wolf Bart, kind of like Bright Bart, but Wolf Bart. It's a horrible uh, comparison. I'll keep working on it. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I think you focus too much on the offense, though, man. Like, again, like, you have to applaud. Look at, there's been 13 games right now that the Raptors have played defense, right? Or, sorry, sorry, have played in the playoffs right now. And defensively, I think 10 of those 12 games, they've held the opponent to under, like, 40% shooting, under 90, under 100 points. Like, the defense... And keep in mind, the best player on Philadelphia on the other team is some is Joel Embiid. Like there is a reason, and he's not. He didn't have a good series. The whole reason he didn't I think that he have a bad series. He didn't have a good series for Joel Embiid. And again, if you look at the anchor of a defense right now against a team like that, because that's all they do did before against other teams, they just attack them down low with Joel. The fact that you have to make him work on offense, the fact that he does have the ability even to do a pick and pop yeah. on offense makes Joel work. So I think, again, it's all meant to 
to sort of make Joel, make people like Giannis work right now. And like I said it earlier, I think Mark should be playing on Giannis because I think he's smart enough. And that's the biggest difference is he's the, he's the smartest player on the court, maybe next to Lowry, it seems like, at all times. And again, the way that he plays his defense yeah. on these types of players or on Embiid, on these types of you know uh, bigs, Vucevic is an all-star that gets completely you know scrubbed off the earth because of what someone specifically Marcus Gasol has done. So if, if I could just uh, chime in for just a nope. second. Um, <laughs> what, uh, when the trade was made for Gasol, I remember I was reading up on like some a, a blog, and there was a Memphis fan. I've said this before in this podcast who was writing up about you know he's watched Gasol for years and blah blah blah. And, you know he'll help the Raptors, but here's the issue with him. His offense, like his offensive impact, is predicated on him being able to hit that mid-range shot when he pops. And when he's not hitting that shot, we saw it last night. He wasn't hitting that shot. What right? Was, what was his because, his perce- What was his percentage inside the three last night? Uh toward the end of the game, he had some mid-range, but most of them he went out to the to the. He was zero of line. six. He was 0 of 6 inside the three, and he yeah, was and 2 of 5 outside so, the that's three. We're so let me let me get this straight though. We got the moderator. Pulling a fucking William Barr over here and just, you know, clearly picking a side right no, off the bat. I know. I see Graffin's look, the defense well, still got it, better it, and and I love Gasol's passive, but here's the thing. They're so now what's happening is teams are playing off him. They're playing off him because they, a, know they know that he's, he's a facilitator. You know what I mean? So this just oh, Graffin, you get last comment. I don't know. I'm just everything you're saying right now is is brings me back to my original point. You guys are focusing too much on the offense. You just glazed over the fact that the defense has been great. No, no, no. It's been the best. And there's a reason why. End of, end of story. No, the defense hasn't been the best. We gave up 108 points last night. No, no, statistically, the defense has been the best. It's end of story. No, it's, it's Are, not. It's, it's not. been better. Statistically, it, it is. What are you he's saying about? the eye First test, Graffin's saying factual no, 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 information. No, no, no. The Raptors' defense has been the best, right? right. We have... We have First of all, this year, we have Kawhi Leonard playing defense for us. He's the best defender in the league. So you can't say that the reason why the Raptors' defense is great is because we have a guy like Gasol. No, it's not. Well, who's the best player on Philly? We're, we're Teams talk- can't attack who's the best us on the high pick and roll anymore. You're right. Teams who scored the most Gasol, in Orlando this year? Who scored the most in Philly this year? Well. Who scored the most on Philly? Greg, your mic's going off right now. Embiid, was it not? Sorry? Joel Embiid? Joel who scored Embiid, the most on Philly? Of course. And, and did he score the most in the series? The most. Did he score the most against the series against the Raptors? Did they lose? All right, did guys. Bad games? Did it go to a game seven when it shouldn't have? Okay, we'll, I don't we'll, think that game we'll do 30, 30 seconds game. each. Finish your comments. Graf and Juan the, the thing. Javon, you go first. Your last 30 seconds. Gasol played 40 minutes last night, had six rebounds, 11 points, missed every single shot inside the three point line, and he's the reason why we lost that game. If we had a guy like JV, he's making five to six layups. If he plays four, 40 minutes a game, he's hitting 556 percentage from, from the field. And it just reminds me back when we had no perimeter players against Indiana a few years ago, and he was the reason why we won that series. So I need JV, I want JV, and I'm so sad that he's not playing with us. If he was here, we would have won. Okay, so to me, that's absolutely... <laughs> to isolate one game as opposed to the entire playoffs is the most JV fan stand you know type what? thing to do. That, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, because it's the most stand type thing to do to isolate games. It's like you're the American media right now with Lowry, and it makes me laugh inside because the only reason we are where we are in this playoffs is because of someone like not only Marcus Saul, but like you said, the whole defense in total. And like Lowry mentioned, Ibaka and them are talking. That big lineup stopped Philly. The big lineup. And it was anchored by the biggest man and the defensive player of the year. I think that big lineup was a last resort because we had nothing else to do. That worked. And that barely worked. 
All right, guys, thank you very much. Greatest shot in NBA history to win that series. We'll talk about this next week. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. We'll be back next week, podcast number 71. That is all love from us. Javon and Christian are giving each other little daps right now. Uh, uh, Also, uh, that show's called The Mixed Bag because you're both mixed races. How about that? Oh, I like it. Ooh, look at that. Look at that graphic. I'm just going to say, catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and also follow uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. And tweet us. Tweet us. All right. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We'll be back next week. Go Raptors, go championship or bust, motherfucker. Yes. Yes.